following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. What's up, everybody? And welcome to the 12th episode of the Schmidt Talking Podcast. I'm Alec Walt alongside Kyle Allen. We're two members of the class of 2017 who are obsessed with Bonnie's basketball. Kyle, welcome to you. Hey, Alec, what's going on? I'm uh, excited about the Bonnies. They are rolling right now. Winners of four straight. Now sitting third in the Atlantic 10 Conference. Really trying to, you know, stay in that second or third position behind a really hot URI team right now that was ranked the highest in program history at number 18 overall. So I just want to give credit to them. They, are ve- they have a very solid squad this year, one that could go very deep into the NCAA tournament, a team that I'm going to pick to go deep in the NCAA tournament. But back to our squad, Bonnie's are rolling right now and have some great opportunities ahead, and that starts on Wednesday with St. Louis. Yeah, Bonnie's second consecutive week. They've gone undefeated. They beat George Mason 85-69 to and beat Duquesne 84-81. to that Duquesne game was fun to watch. When I was watching the game at the University of South Carolina, I was really showing people who the Bonnies were for the first time. Obviously, when you say St. Bonaventure, you get the usual questions. Where is that? Is that a D1 school? I've never heard of them. Who's on their team? How good's their basketball program this year? Which oh, one? is that in uh, upstate New York, you know, near Syracuse? Or you no, get three in, hours southwest. Or you get, is it in Philadelphia? Is it in Pittsburgh? Realistically... Not many people know where only in New York is. So, I mean, I'm used to it by now. When I went to the Davidson game earlier this year, from going into the stadium to walking to my seat, I was asked that question five times. But back to my store at the University of South Carolina, people were like, oh, okay, you know, this Jalen Adams kid is a likely second-round pick. He's got everything it takes to be an NBA point guard. And Kyle, he made me look like a pretty smart basketball analyst because he went off on Saturday night. Well, just mentioning back to your point about he has the ability to be the next level guard in the NBA and it all attributes to his game he just is a two-way player he play off the ball very well just almost as well as he can play on the ball so that's what they're looking for in the NBA they want guys who can play multiple guard positions so that's going to be key and a game like he had against Duquesne is also key he you know hasn't necessarily lit it up in the past games in the Atlantic 10 thus far so this was his quote-unquote breakout game not, I would. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I'd say his biggest game of the season, statistic-wise, I would say Syracuse was his most clutch game and one of his biggest games. Obviously, we had the clutch shot here at the final second with Jay hitting the three. Speaking of clutch, Jay's now hit four major shots for the Bonnies in his, over his career. We can go back to the St. Louis game at the RC two years ago where he hit the game winner. We can go back to Pittsburgh to Kane his freshman year where he hit the runner in overtime. And we go back to the Duquesne game on Saturday where he hit the three in the final seconds to propel the Bonnies. But also, one that I forgot to mention in a tweet that I said, speaking about his clutch shots, someone also mentioned, you know, you forgot the Dayton game where he hit that three in the final seconds to propel us over the Flyers two years ago when they were ranked on the road. That was probably his biggest shot. And so it just goes to show what type of player he is. I was watching the game with some family friends in New York City. I have now officially moved into Hoboken, New Jersey. So I'm living, you know, within the New York City metropolitan area. And so I was watching with some family and friends in New York. And I, you know, was very excited to watch the Bonnies pull off the win. And I am hoping that they're going to be doing so with the next few games coming up and leading to URI. 
next Friday. Yeah, we got to take it one game at a time. I can't wait for that URI game, but we'll get into a little more details about that later in the show. Going back to the game against Duquesne, that was definitely a game we needed to put Jay on our back. If you look at the other scores, we only had two other guys scoring double figures. Matt Mobley, who was named Atlantic 10 Player of the Week, had 19 points and three rebounds. And Courtney Stockard, someone who's really stepped up recently, had another great game with 10 points, six rebounds, and five assists. Kyle, obviously you want to harp on the positives, but there was really only one thing about the Duquesne game that concerned me. I mean, you look right at the stat sheet. Our bench production was non-existent. And that I, I would argue that wasn't the case against George Mason. Obviously, Nelson Caputo coming off the bench, giving us that spark with his three-point shooting was key in that game. But a guy who slowed down his production a little bit is Isaiah Brockington hasn't had, you know, much opportunity to put a lot of points on the board the past few games. And that's fine. He is a freshman. He is a guy who's growing, right? But at the same time, Schmidt really doesn't go too deep into his bench, right? So at the same time, you only have a few guys who can really have a chance to produce off the bench. So sometimes it's really just going to come down to our starting five and how they produce. And college basketball is different from the NBA where you don't necessarily always need the bench production, right? So, Bench production is huge in the NBA, but not necessarily at always in college. It depends on who you're facing as an opponent. But I think when it comes to games like a Duquesne, Jay is going off for 40 points in that game. I'm more than fine with him taking his volume of shots because I know that, you know, in the beginning of the 8-10 swing and the 8-10 play, there was a lot of times where we were frustrated that he and Matt weren't shooting in, in clutch times. There was times where... I want to refer back to Davidson where we were within two points. I think it was around 13 minutes. And from 13 minutes to nine minutes, I didn't see Matt or Jay take one shot. And it was really frustrating because you know that they are the two guys that can, you know, take you over the top and take the lead in that game. And ultimately we were resorting to guys like Idris Taki making, trying to make some offensive plays and not, not, not saying he can't, it's just, it's not going to be our first option. So I'm glad to see we can get Jay into a rhythm like we did against Duquesne and, I want to keep doing that going forward. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. We can keep doing that forward. Uh, this Bonnie's team has a lot of potential. It's just something I noticed when looking at the stat sheet. When you look at Duquesne, the two guys we talked about in our last podcast was Mike Lewis II and Eric Williams Jr. The Bonnie's did a really good job containing them. Eric Williams Jr. finished with 10 points, 4 assists, and 3 rebounds. Mike Lewis II finished with 11 points, and two rebounds, the Bonnies looked at Duquesne and said, these are the two guys we need to stop if we want to win. And they did a fairly good job containing them throughout the game. Yeah, I would agree. Our guards stepped up on D. We played some really good defense against them. Duquesne was a team that they didn't really get deep into their bench either. They Their starting five played predominantly most of those minutes. And, you know, in the, in the beginning uh, of the first half, Duquesne came back after we got off to the hot start. So that was the only real frustrating part of the game defensively. And then after that, it was pretty much trading buckets. And we did give up, you know, 81 points. But at the same time, Duquesne was at home and they were shooting, you know, fairly well from three in the second half. So I think overall, like you said, if you can hold those guys in check, opposite of what we were harping on this team about, in the beginning of the Atlantic 10 play where Dayton and St. Joe's were, just, you know, having career nights. And so we just couldn't have that. And you're ultimately going to lose those games like we did. So holding those guys in check was huge. And we did that on Saturday night fairly well. Yeah, it was a good job by Duquesne's coaching staff to 
kind of adjust the way they ran their offense. Two guys that actually led them was Terrence Smith off the bench with 24 points and Renee Castro-Kennedy with 21. So Duquesne did a really good job. Bonnie did only beat them by three, and we will see them again on February 21st. We look at this week now. The Bonnies have much better games than we thought they'd be. They're going to be playing two teams in the top half of the Atlantic 10. They're both home games. The first one's against St. Louis on Wednesday, and the second one is against Richmond on Saturday night. St. Louis is 13-11 and 11 on the season, 6-5 and five in the Atlantic 10. That ranks them 7th in the conference. They're on a three-game winning streak. They beat Dayton, they beat St. Joe's, and they beat Fordham, but they've been dealing with a little bit of problems off the court. Four players have been either suspended or kicked off the team, but it hasn't really stopped them. They're four and one since the story broke. So they're a little bit thin off the bench, but I mean, they've been overcoming it and playing some really good basketball. Yeah. Unfortunately, that happened. They obviously have to deal with that off the court. And well, you would think it would affect some of the guys on the court that may not have been involved, but it forced the team to rally a little further and, you know, hone in on their true strengths. But at the same time, they just don't score a lot of points. They average a total of 67 points a game. Their leading scorer, Javon Best, uh, averages 13 points a game. Two other guys in Devel Roby and Jordan Goodwin average 11 points each. I think this is an opportunity for where the Bonnies can really step up on the defensive end again. St. Louis doesn't shoot the ball particularly too well from the three-point land, 31% overall. But they do have two guys who shoot in the mid-30s, and Roby and Jalen Johnson. So those are two guys right there that you kind of want to hone in on when it comes to our perimeter defense because we know that can be our Achilles heel sometimes. So I think this is a game the Bonnies can really have at home, and you know the crowd's going to be into it. And the Bonnies are a very tough team to beat at home. St. Louis is overall 2-5 and five on away games, 1-1 one and one in the neutral court. So I think this is a real good chance for the Bonnies to get a good win under their belt and ultimately get some more momentum heading into the rest of the season. Yeah, if the Bonnies want to win this game, they're going to need to rebound the basketball. St. Louis is a little bit better than them at rebounding. They have Javon Best, the player you mentioned earlier, 6.7 rebounds per game. Hassan French, 7 rebounds a game. And Jordan Goodwin, 7.4 rebounds per game. The only thing is that none of them are centers, so it's going to be key. They box out after every single shot. And this is going to be another big game for the Darian grabbing board. Same with Courtney Stockard. And Adris Taki. Saturday night, we have a game against Richmond. They're 8 and 14 overall, 6 and 4 in the conference. That is the same conference record as St. Bonaventure. They're fifth in the Atlantic 10. And Richmond's playing some really good basketball. They're winners in five of the last six. They beat George Washington, VCU, LaSalle, Duquesne, and Davidson before losing to George Mason. 79 to 75 in their last game. And Kyle, this is another game we can't look past. Yeah, definitely. I expect a great crowd for alumni weekend, but this is, like you said, a game we can't look past. I uh, am surprised that Richmond was able to turn around fairly quickly. They started off the season 2-10 and 10 before conference play, and so I really left them for dead when it comes to, you know, a good conference record, but they proved me wrong the first 10 conference games. They've played some really good games. I was able to watch them against George Mason last weekend, and, you know, it's just a matter of their guard play. Buckingham is a really solid player averaging 12.6 points per game for them, shooting 76% from the line, averaging seven rebounds a game. You know, that's a guy who can, you know, light it up on the floor, a young player who is really, you know, a bright spot for this team. And as I, you know, mentioned for St. Louis, I think it's going to just come down to the home court advantage here. 
Richmond is three and two in conference on the road. So when it comes to Richmond, they are playing their Atlantic 10 opponents a lot better on the road. But I think this is another chance for the Bonnies to play some solid defense. And they are a team that only averages 68 points a game. So like St. Louis, they don't score a ton of points. So I think this is where the Bonnies can, you know, hone down defensively. And I think this, these are two games where they can build a lot of confidence on defense. And so Dayton, St. Joe's, those are games they are not going to build confidence on the defensive end. Some of our worst defensive games of the year. Syracuse, that is a game that's going to build defensive confidence. We thought it was going to go into Dayton and St. Joe's and build that confidence, but it didn't. But this is a two-game stretch where we can really get our defensive confidence on our side going into one of the biggest games of the year in Rhode Island. But like you said, let's not look ahead. These are two very important games with St. Louis and Richmond, and I'm excited to see them square off this Saturday for Alumni Weekend. All right, Kyle, I'm going to ask you two questions. What is your score prediction for Wednesday night, and what is your score prediction for Saturday night? For Wednesday night against the Billikens, I think the Bonnies will win convincingly around 11 or 12 points. So I'm going to say the Bonnies win 80 to 67. And then for Richmond, I'm going to say it's a little bit closer of a game of the Bonnies pull away by nine. So I'm going to say for that one, a little higher scoring, 85-76. It may not show with the amount of points we give up to Richmond, but I think we're going to get a better defensive effort especially on the inside, I think, against Richmond. I think we match up well against them, and that could be a chance for our guys on the inside to really get an opportunity to make their defensive presence known. Yeah, I agree with you on both ends. I think the Bonnies are going to win both games against St. Louis. I'm going to say 85-75. to I think it'll be about a 10-point gap, fair to say, for this game. And then against Richmond, I think the crowd is going to be wild. There's going to be a lot of excitement in the air. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big game. Richmond's not a team you want to overlook, but I feel like every single little moment in this game, the crowd's going to go nuts. The Bonnies are going to have a momentum the entire game. I think the Bonnies are going to score 90, and I don't think the game's going to be close. I'm going to go 90-72 to 72 with two wins this week. All right, in our final segment of this episode, we're going to talk about a tweet from Joe Lenardi. Last week, we talked about his first four out, next four out, four more, and bubble teams. And we have an update for this week. Joel Lenardi tweeted a few days ago, his first four out are Boise State, Georgia, Western Kentucky, and Nebraska. His next four is SMU, South Carolina, Syracuse, and Maryland. And four more is Notre Dame, UCLA, St. Bonaventure, and Utah. So, Kyle, what were your first reactions when seeing that tweet? I will say that when you pointed out that both South Carolina and us were the only teams to move up, that's key. And like I mentioned last week, it just stinks that a lot of these teams are all bigger conference schools, so they're going to have more opportunity. Western Kentucky is a team that you mentioned that is currently part of the last four in, but that's a team in a conference where if they have a one bad game, they could really slip up and, and they're at large hopes. Like we were in a position for that two years ago. I just always want to hone in on that fact that, you know, schools like us, it's just no room for error. And you've mentioned that before. It's just not like what it was 17 years ago in 2000 when the Bonnies were able to get in with 21 wins before heading into the NCAA tournament. So it's just a different animal now with so many more college programs in Division One. So like you said, I think the Bonnies just have to worry about their own game, take care of business. And I think when it comes to an at-large, it only – really comes down to Rhode Island. If we don't pull off that Rhode Island win, we really don't have much to work with. We need three really good wins to work with, and I just want Rhode Island to keep winning 
because if they keep winning, that only makes that game a bigger of a win, and that puts us on that list significantly higher if we were to pull it off, leading up to this, making sure we take care of business against St. Louis and Richmond. Yeah, one thing that did not help us is we talked about last week how if VCU was to keep winning, they'd stay in the top 100, and potentially that could be another top 100 win. VCU lost 81-68 to URI this weekend and bumped out of the top 100, so now the Bonnies only have one more chance to win another top 100 game. Kyle, another thing I want to mention is we really haven't been talking about the fact that two of our wins this year are starting to look like much more quality wins in Vermont and UB. Lenardi's been obsessed with those two so far in his rankings. When I was looking at the tweet that he had St. Bonaventure in, he had Buffalo at 51 and Vermont in 52. Those are two quality games that not many people in Bonnet Nation were expecting to be as big of games this point of the season. Also, too, with Buffalo being a road game, you know, that, that counts as a true road win. So that's a key win for us when it comes to setting ourselves for a solid RPI. But I, like you said, both of those games we expected to be as more of a, you know, solid win. But, you know, as if those teams keep winning, you know, it only helps our chances and can only help improve our resume. So for right now, go Catamounts and it sounds weird, but go Bulls and keep winning. I'm not a big fan of saying go Bulls, but uh, it seems like yeah, right no, now, it I, seems I, like I, right I now I'm going to have to. I mean that in the most joking way possible. Yeah, I mean. Really, really could care less, but I. Only because it better than St. Bonaventure. Here, here it is. I mean, if and I mean, both of those teams have to win their conference to even get an NCAA bid. So it's not like so they could win all they want, but if they lose in the conference tournament, neither of those teams are getting in. So at the same time, we want them to keep winning when it comes to you know their conference tournament at least. So one thing you mentioned earlier in the cast that I want to point out is it was really interesting when you look at the RPIs of these teams. Lenardi tweeted. Boise State's 37, Georgia's 59, Western Kentucky's 50, Nebraska's 58, SMU's 69, South Carolina's 63, Syracuse is 47, Maryland is 55, Notre Dame is 81, UCLA's 54, St. Bonaventure's 48, and Utah is 56. Of these teams, South Carolina last week was 64, St. Bonaventure last week was 49. All these teams are shifting, yet... We're only one of two teams that had the ability to increase their RPI with two wins. Do you think Lenardi's underrating who we are? He's just also saying what the A-10 is this year. Really, outside of Rhode Island, maybe VCU on the road, no A-10 win is really going to you know improve our chances. When you're going up against UCLA in the Pac-12, they're gonna, every win that they get, for a team above them is going to, you know, only improve their resume. So we really just don't, like I mentioned earlier, have those opportunities. I don't think he's necessarily underplaying who we are. I think he just knows what the A-10 is this year. And it's a conference we really can't take advantage of because of what it is overall. And we just got to take it one game at a time. We, we got to beat St. Louis and we got to beat Richmond. Next weekend's the big game against URI. So we look ahead to that game. We're going to be in trouble. We just take it one game at a time. I think this team will be fine. That's going to be it for this episode of the Schmidt Talking Podcast. I'm Alec Walt alongside Kyle Allen. Tune in next week as we give you a recap of the two games against St. Louis and Richmond. And look ahead at the upcoming schedule with games next week against LaSalle and Rhode Island. Thank you for listening and have a good night.